Welcome back to the Indiscriminate News Network. I hope everybody's doing well. Today is Tuesday, December 14th. We're going to start off with Anthony Bilkin. It says, diplomacy's best option for Iran nuclear talks. Well, yeah. I mean, Iran nuclear talks, I guess that would include diplomacy. Speaking of news conference in Indonesia, Blinken went on to reiterate claims that there were options for Iran, saying Washington was actively engaging with its allies and partners engaging alternatives. Earlier on Monday, the U.S. State Department claimed that it was too soon to say whether Iran has returned to nuclear talks with a more constructive approach. These comments came as the JCPOA was abandoned by former President Donald Trump in May 2018. Trump then targeted Iran's economy with what he called a maximum pressure campaign, which failed to compel Iran to negotiate a new deal. Iran, the five remaining parties to the JCPOA, uh, Germany, Britain, France, Russia, and China began the talks in the Australian capital in April when the aim of removing the sanctions after the U.S. under President Biden voiced its willingness to return to the agreement. After a five-month hiatus, envoys from Iran and the other group of countries began on November 29th in the first round of talks in Vienna under President Ebram Rasai. At the talks, the Iranian delegation presented two details draft text. One of the removal of the U.S. sanctions and the other Iran's return to its nuclear commitments under that agreement. Iran has repeatedly asserted that the Iranian delegation is very serious in the negotiations, and the submission of documents shows that the country is serious is to reach an agreement. And now the other parties must show their determination. I guess on that end, really what it goes down to is if Iran's actually going to hold up their end, or are they just blowing smoke up everybody's ass? All right. U.S. and China hold military talks on avoiding quote-unquote accidents at sea and in the air. U.S. forces in the Pacific are convening virtual talks at their Chinese counterparts this week. In keeping with their commitments made during last month's summit between President Joe Biden and Xi Jinping. In a statement released on Tuesday, Hawaii-based U.S. Indo-Pacific Command said representatives from the U.S. Pacific Fleet and Pacific Air Forces would meet their counterparts, People Liberation Army, Navy, and their Air Force, PLAFF, On December 14th and 16th, the three-day meeting is being held under two-decade-old Military Maritime Consultant Agreement, signed in 1998 between the Department of Defense and the People's Republic of China, and will discuss activities at sea and in the air of the two militaries. Okay, South Korea, Australia signed a defense deal to address mutual security challenges. While the announcement doesn't name North Korea, experts say a $717 million deal to bolster defense among key U.S. allies. Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison and South Korean President Moo Jae-in signed a $717 million defense deal on Monday, an agreement that appears to align with the U.S. strategy to contain China and the Indo-Pacific. The announcement came the third day as Moon's visit to Australia for the Korea-Australia Expanded Summit, during which the two sides agreed to upgrade their bilateral relations and what addressed... Um, but address that Morrison called the mutual security challenges. While the two sides joint statement did not name North Korea specifically, one expert did tell North Korea News that it nevertheless demonstrates the Canberra's efforts to bolster deterrence and expand security capacities in Asia. North Korea slammed the U.S. strategy in the Pacific, calling the AUKUS submarine deal between Washington, London, and Canberra undesirable and dangerous dangerous, voicing support for Chinese policy on Taiwan and other issues. Under the agreement, South Korea Hanwha conglomerate will explore oh sorry, will export thirty self-propelled howitzers, 
15 armored ammunition resupply vehicles and radar systems to better identify enemy artillery. The move follows increased tensions between China and Australia, illustrated by Canberra's announcement last week that it will join the U.S. in diplomatic boycott of the 2022 Beijing Olympics. All right, after 10 years at yard, nuclear sub Leopard is soon to sail. The nuclear-powered Leopard has been in the docks of Zedevksha ship repair in the yard of Sederfik Sink, <laughs> tongue twister, in 2011. Several delays, the vessel is now set for sailing in 2022. General Director of the Yard, Marachev, says state-of-the-art affiliated news, TASS, Leopard K-328 is third-generation Russian attack submarine that has undergone repair and modernization like most of the other vehicles in that class. Additional torpedoes, the Leopard will carry a Navy version of the Caliber, a cruise missile with a range of 2,500 kilometers. Last year, the first upgraded Akula class, VEPR K-157, returned to the Northern Fleet. A total of five submarines of the class are to be upgraded in addition to Vepper and Leopard that includes Bratsk. Volk and Samara. The five submarines could be in operation for another 25 to 30 years, the Barents Observer has previously reported. Finally, per, uh, Putin urges guarantees on the Ukraine call with Johnson. Russian President Vladimir Putin has told British Prime Minister Boris Johnson that Moscow will insist on Western guarantees, including NATO expansion into Ukraine. Basically, he doesn't want any Western countries in Ukraine. And them expanding to, into NATO is a big no-no. Well, what happens if Ukraine joins NATO, then they have the full support of NATO's military. So if Russia were to attack, then they, you know, NATO would have to defend them. Russian President Vladimir Putin on Monday told British News Prime Minister Boris Johnson that Moscow will insist on Western guarantees precluding NATO expansion to Ukraine. A recent uh, Russian troop buildup in Ukraine has drawn Ukrainian and Western fears of an invasion. And U.S. President Joe Biden last week warned Putin of severe consequences if Moscow attacks its neighbor. Putin has denied plans of launching an attack, but prodded Western leaders to provide legal pledge that NATO wouldn't expand to Ukraine. Basically, Putin's making a move, threatening him, knowing that nobody wants a war right now, especially in the middle of a pandemic, right? In Monday's call with Johnson, Putin re, uh, reaffirmed Moscow's concerns saying the development of Ukraine's territory by NATO's members, saying that it would pose a direct threat to Russian security. I mean, it's on its doorstep, so, I mean, pretty, yeah, he's not wrong in that case. Russia has responded to the ouster of Ukraine's Moscow-friendly president annexing the Ukrainian Crimea Peninsula in 2014, throwing its support behind a separatist insurgency in the country's east. More than seven years of fighting killed over 14,000 people and devastated Ukrainian's industrial heartland called Donbass. Moscow has wrestled with NATO's joint drills and Ukrainian forces added, warned that the Russians' alliance with Ukraine would represent a red line for Russia. There you go. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Indiscriminate News Network. Hope everybody is doing well. Uh, appreciate everybody. Take care. Bye.